Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navar. With Matt Petrowski, and of course we are Matt. It's been so long. Come on, you've got to remember. Matt squared. Squared. Is that, is that what you're what looking we for? Are. It's only been two years. Since we used that intro or since we recorded a podcast? Since we, it seems like it's been two years since we recorded a podcast, but it hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't been that long. We've had a few people that said, are you guys, is this thing dead? Yeah. No, it's not dead. We're just... Every we're like everybody else, busy. Busy. People inquiring after our health. No, we haven't we haven't passed on. <laughs> Not yet. That is uh true. All right. Do we have a topic? Well, there was one thing that I kinda wanted to talk about, which is the influence of of mainstream applications uh on and how that informs design in FileMaker. I don't know if we're going to get to that today, specifically iTunes, because iTunes went just went through a huge facelift. That's true. And you got back from the uh, the thing that Molly did in Chicago. Mm-hmm. The FileMaker product conference. Yeah, I did not get to go to that. It was pretty great. About 75 or 100 people. Um, really good topics. They were recorded. You can actually listen to a lot of them, or all of them you can buy for really cheap right now. So what was your takeaway? What, what, what was the good stuff that was there? Well, the biggest thing that I was really looking for was kind of business advice on how, how to like, uh, take a different approach in, on your business. You know, for those of us who have been FileMaker consultants all this time, we need to learn a new skill set, which is business. How do you market these products? How do you, you know, build a company around that part of it? And, of course, we did all that at Pre1, but my main job when I was at Pre1 was developing the software. And so learning all these other um, aspects of the business is really important for me and for a lot of people. And that was kind of the main thing I was I was looking for there. And you got it? Uh, yeah, I got to sit down with a lot of people who are really successful and, and go over a lot of aspects of how they run their business and what things to think about. And there was also an interesting and really good presentation on like how to how to make sure that your business is going to help you retire. You know, how to the bigger picture of life. You know, beyond Having just this one strategy. company. Yeah, it was it was called exit strategy. Making sure that you have a parachute, essentially, and you're planning for the future. Boy, but a lot, that's something and, and I need to do. It's good. A lot of that was really, for people who are a little bit farther down the road uh, than me, of, of having a company. Also for people maybe a little older than me. Um, in terms of planning, uh, you know, five years before retirement, ten years before retirement kind of thing. How much to have in the bank. What kind of insurances you need? A lot, I don't know. Maybe not so much insurance, but there was a lot of interesting stuff like that there in that particular session. There nice. was a. I did. A, I moderated a panel on cloud. Uh, how FileMaker is and is not cloud computing. What cloud technologies we can integrate, and how closely we can get to cloud type services to compete with them effectively. Because hmm. a lot of our, you know, Salesforce.com and there's a lot of other cloud. Systems that are kind of in some spaces competing directly with FileMaker. You know, this whole cloud thing, The uh, actually, ever since everything took off in the Internet, going all the way back to the mid-90s, whatever the buzzword is, it always cracks me up that the new buzzword basically is just explaining something that has existed for a long time. I mean, the cloud is nothing new. FTP was the cloud. 
it's basically that it's just now easier to facilitate moving your, accessing your bits and moving them up and down from a, a different location because there's more pathways. But you've always had the ability to put something in a remote location and retrieve it. It's just that now we have the culmination of faster bandwidth and more accessibility in terms of no, more well, there, access There's a couple paths. of other really key things with the cloud. Uh, that it may, FTP is not really cloud because FTP, your stuff is pretty much on one server. It's not really redundant. It's not really ever present, and it doesn't really scale beyond a certain point. Google, Gmail is kind of a what I would say is a really good uh, early cloud application. Well, redundancy is just a matter of having it in on more than one disk. If you're talking about redundancy with regards to content delivery networks and having it on multiple servers, I'd be willing to bet that Dropbox, you know, they're, I believe they're using AWS behind the scenes. So, yeah, they probably have multiple deployments depending on where you're at. But there's sure. probably algorithms that optimize based on where you're at. Just because it's on multiple different servers doesn't mean that like FTP wasn't the precursor to the cloud because the cloud is simply just accessing bits. Right, but I'm considering it like a, a, a consolidated, centralized system like Gmail, not FTP, which is something that you could run on your own computer and use it for something really lightweight. But cloud is really, you know, on a larger scale. That's kind of what I think of when I think of cloud applications. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, base it's, camp. it's pretty much the pervasiveness of being right. able to do what you've been able to do for a long time. Which is right. access things. <clears throat> or even just a FileMaker database deployed via Citrix is pretty cloudy. Yeah, but I, and you've had, I mean, VNC and uh, terminal services, those have all been sure. you know, around for years and years. Yeah, well, mainframe terminals <laughs> since way before personal computers was uh, <laughs> pretty cloud-like as well, really, sort of. <laughs> yeah. So what have you been doing with FileMaker? What's... What, I know you've been getting more more and more busy with all of the different projects you have. Yeah, and and hiring employees. I'm looking for a um another developer. I'm looking for like a entry level developer, uh someone young that I can kind of train up and teach here in Portland, Oregon. Well, what's what's some of the cool stuff you've been doing like technically? Hmm. It hasn't been so cool and technical. It's been just kind of, you know, uh, a lot of the same things I've been doing before. I did, uh, here's, what, here's a fun one um, and crazy, a conversion from FileMaker 3 to 12. Wow. So the database is four times better now because it went uh, multiplier of four in, in the version numbers. <laughs> um, That's good and, and I actually, to do a test conversion, I went to the client and opened up their FileMaker 3, it was a Windows FileMaker 3, and I brought in my Mac, and I copied the whole database, which is about a gig, over to my flash drive, and I was able to open it up on FileMaker 11 on my MacBook Air. So 12 can't open a .fp3 file, but FileMaker 11 on the Mac can. Correct. And then I converted that to 12, so in two, two jumps, I was actually, I had all the data. Lots of stuff broke. Um, I can only imagine. I just did that the other day with a uh, .fp5 file. One of my older techniques. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the the conversion I, of having to go to a, uh, use 11 in order to convert. Hmm. But it's really nice that it, it'll go all the way back to 3. That's That's amazing and impressive. Yeah, it is. I think that it didn't used to do that. I think they added that functionality back in. Uh, my guess is they realize that since there's now no way to run FileMaker 6 on a Mac, on a current Mac that you'd buy today, because the classic environment is gone, 
you had you, there is no option to 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 run FileMaker six. You have to find some old computer to do that. But on Windows, Windows XP can actually run FileMaker three to twelve. It's got a huge range of capability. So therein lies the solution. Keep a copy of either Parallels or VMware if you're a Mac developer with an old XP install with copies of FileMaker so that you can convert. Sure, but in this case, I didn't even need it. In this case, I actually used only my Mac and FileMaker 11 and 12 to do the whole job. Right. But if well, I wanted to run the application, then yes, you need, you need a VMware and a copy of FileMaker 3 or whatever to, to do it. Very cool. Um, but FileMaker 3 doesn't really work anymore. Well, sir, I'm not sure exactly what breaks, but the, the database doesn't appear to be corrupt, but it crashes constantly now if you try to run it with Windows XP. So we we basically had no choice but to convert to 12 and then address the things that were broken. You know, all the usual stuff like commit commit record and the window targeting, all the stuff that, that breaks after a conversion. Right. And just kind of go through and fix those things. And then phase two is essentially start over, make a brand new file, consolidated, and rebuild. I think those are pretty much the only types of projects that I would personally be interested in. Is doing If I'm going to do a conversion, I have to know that they are willing to do a conversion, not a let's just move it up to the next version because... FileMaker 12, there's so many people that complained about it, but that's purely because they were taking so much cruft forward. But if you do something from the ground up in FileMaker 12, it's really, really nice. And knowing that they're doing things such as CSS behind the scenes with WebKit, and they're starting to do things, um, I don't want to say that they've been doing them wrong, but I consider this to be more right, is just <laughs> really nice. You can get a it's really... It's not that they're wrong, they're just less right. right well i mean it's just you know it's based on things they're they're leveraging standards which is what you should be doing when most of everything if it's based on a standard just makes it move forward that much better sure instead of everything being proprietary and locked in i mean imagine having your mp your fp3 file and not being able to convert it and you're just like are you kidding my data's locked down in that little hole Mm mm-hmm so what, what's your example of uh, things that... Are you saying in FileMaker 12, the things that aren't done well? No. I'm saying in FileMaker 12, they're, they're, doing, they're doing things better than I thought they had been doing things in 11 and earlier. Oh, yeah. I in totally agree. making decisions like, for example, using um, the CSS. Now, there's a couple of things that I really don't like about what FileMaker does... Um, back in the day, I believe FileMaker 5.6 was when I was with uh, working with FileMaker, or that's when 5 had come out. XML was the hot thing. That was uh, XML and XSL, and they were going to use XML as the output, and which is still, I believe, the output of the web engine. And simply, when you're accessing that via the PHP API, you're simply it's simply spitting out XML, and then it's converting it, and then you're giving you you know, doing whatever with your results. Now, there's nothing wrong with XML, but what they have currently implemented, the Zalin and Xerxes processing engines, they have not updated for, I don't know, decade now? And so it's they're very old processors, and they're not keeping up on some of the interchange formats and the communication technologies that are being used. 
Uh, obviously, JSON's not integrated, and there's a lot of different things. If you want FileMaker to be commu- able to communicate with other things, you have to go outside of FileMaker natively and use something like ScriptMaster. Hmm. I just had to do a big XML export from FileMaker, and there, um, each um, each variable, each field had to be recoded so heavily that I chose to just build it all in a script and didn't use the XML exporter. I just um, I create a big string and a variable. Uh, each line is one record, and then I uh, the script just sets a variable in the script to a field and then recodes it to whatever way I want <clears throat> the data to be redone. Uh, so, for example, if I have a field that stores um, the patient's date of birth, but the way that they want it in the XML file was not month, day, year, but uh, year, month, day, or some other format like that, I can just have a little calculation right there in that variable to, to uh, change the value. And then I loop through and set that line, and at the very end I just do an export um, contents. So is that you're, you're moving the data from, because in order to do that export via XML, the data is going to be in a field. Right, you're, but I'm not... doing the conversion right. in a variable and then pushing it back into a field? Well, I don't think it does have to be in a field, does it? If it does, I just use a global field. Yeah, the the, the export is using the standard export dialog box. The oh, yeah, that's not that what I'm doing, though. Is XML as opposed to CSV or tab or whatever. Right, yeah, this isn't using the FileMaker export command. It's using... Uh, like ScriptMaster? Because I know there's no, a number No, it's not of, using a plugin either. No? I know there's a number of people that they will actually do all of their data processing within FileMaker, completely bypass FileMaker's export dialog, and push out that way. Because you can push out, uh, you know, you could do everything, as long as you're not dealing with, you know, multi, multi megabytes. You can do a ton of stuff right there within FileMaker's local memory Memory yes. munge a lot of things and then just push it out using something like ScriptMaster via a plugin. Sure, or... that's exactly what I'm doing. But FileMaker actually has a native way to do that. That's really easy. Oh, sometimes just, um, it, it's export uh, field contents. I think so. Yeah, it just exports. You, you can you can build. In fact, I've done that. You can build a lot of things, put them into a regular text field, export the contents of that field, and then pull them back into another database. That's a good way to exchange. Yep. Data. That's what I'm doing. And it, the one thing that bites you is uh, people have to know that when they export, exporting the contents of a field, it exports as UTF-16, and a lot of things out in the rest of the world are typically expecting or working with UTF-8. But because FileMaker's UTF-16 file, if your other system expects UTF-8, you then have to do some type of post-conversion. Hmm. Yeah, I think like Troy File can do some of that stuff. We use that for other things. There's like a carriage return plus line feed issue that we had before that uh, Troy File could fix. I'm sure ScriptMaster could too. And the the, ex, the FileMaker export field contents does not do that. But anyway, the thing I really liked about this approach was 100% of the logic existed in one place, and it was in the script layer. I didn't have any stupid calculated fields, and I didn't have to um, learn and use XSLT, even though that actually probably would have been more efficient to do this type of transformation of the of the fields. Um, but then I would have had to have some logic in FileMaker and some in XSLT, and I really just wanted it in one place. Yeah. No, knowing, knowing XSLT and being able to do transformations is really pretty powerful, but it requires you to get out there and, and actually dig in. And for the most part, what you're going to be spending most of your time learning is XPath. 
But once you've mm-hmm. got it, being able to manipulate all of the different nodes, as they're called within XML, mm-hmm. is really empowering. How good uh, are you with that? Um, well, I, I've ever since FileMaker implemented the feature, the way that the magazine site has worked is I've always had my store within a Yahoo store. And Yahoo actually spits out XML. So in order to originally get my orders in, they would come as email attachments. So check this out. I wrote an Apple script that would run on Apple Mail so that when an order came out in, it would move that XML file into the proper location and then call a FileMaker script, which would use an XSL style sheet to convert that into the format I wanted in order to get it into the database. That's awesome. <laughs> it was the days of... Uh, I get my data via email instead of going direct. Now it sure. actually, what I do is uh, the Yahoo will do what's called a silent post, which basically uses um, HTTPS, which is so it sends it through secure, mm-hmm. and it basically just does a post directly of the XML data. And you can then capture and process that straight into FileMaker or do whatever you want. In my case, because of, what is it, the the whole credit card thing where you don't, What's that compliance? I forget. Whatever it is where you're not supposed to deal with uh, storing credit cards and things like that. When I get the XML data, you can get it uh, with or without the credit card information. So the one that comes in with the credit card information, that just then gets sent automatically to authorize.net for the stuff that I do. They capture and store all of the credit card information, thereby I'm not, you know, I'm not even dealing with it. But for just the general customer information, I have a second post that comes to a different location, and that flows into my FileMaker database. Cool. It is, it is cool stuff. I mean, when you have everything hooked up and automated, and you really don't have to do anything, and it just ends up showing, in your, showing up in your FileMaker database, it's a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. Well, we are about out of time for today, so... Um uh, in our next episode, we'll talk more about that that uh, user interface, getting ideas from other applications like iTunes and uh, yeah, web pages a, that have really good design ideas. Definitely a topic for a uh, for a longer podcast. Mm-hmm. Given that and one of us has to leave. And also, uh, ex- how to do things exactly the opposite of Skype, which just gets worse and worse as time goes by. <laughs> <laughs> Am I dropping out on your end? No, I mean the user interface of Skype. The technology oh. behind it seems okay, but you know, trying to find the button to for the keypad or you know, all the things that are in there that I, even though I use the thing all the time, I'm constantly looking for things. They didn't put anything in the obvious place. That is pretty bad. Adding a call if you're already on one, you know, you'd think there'd be an easy way, but there's just it's just not. Sometimes you can drag and drop, sometimes you can't. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, it's. Uh, I don't know. I like to blame Microsoft since Microsoft bought the company, but I'm not sure who's in charge of design, but they're uh, they're blazing a, a path of crazy, in my opinion. <laughs> and, you know, iTunes is a little bit, too. There's some really interesting, weird things in iTunes that I'm uh, really looking forward to getting into next time we talk. Well, we're definitely going to have to schedule a time and start pumping these things out more frequently. Definitely. And uh, if anyone is, has got a uh, something that they're working on, they want to get information, send us an email. Matt at FileMakerTalk.com. Or send us uh, an audio file. Just record something on your computer using QuickTime. We'd love to be able to respond that way. It's pretty cool. All right. Well, thanks for your time. All right. See you later.